Father's Day brings all kinds of things. For some, there's a lot of joy, a lot of great memories. For some, it's an enormous amount of pain. Pain is a part of life. Disappointment is a pain of life. It's hard to get through a day without being disappointed. It's certainly hard to get through a week without being disappointed. And I can guarantee you, you won't go through a month without being disappointed. Disappointment is just a part of how life is put together. Now, one day, when Jesus makes all things new, disappointment will go away. But right now, he hasn't made all things new, so there's a lot of disappointment. Disappointment is a part of life. It's something that we experience all the time. There are times when you disappoint yourself. You ever disappointed yourself? Yeah, I disappoint myself on a daily basis. There are times when other people disappoint me. I, 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 I maybe put too much trust in them. Maybe I, I thought higher of them than I should. Maybe I got my uh, bearings wrong. And man, disappointment comes flooding in because of what something, something someone else did. And then there is this idea that Jesus has disappointed me. I mean, God's disappointed me. Well, how can that be? And if I were to ask you, is it possible for Jesus to disappoint you? One of the temptations to say is, of course not. But if you have read the gospel, if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know the answer to the question is yes. There are often times that Jesus disappoints. In Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, we have, this, we have this moment where Jesus is calling 12 men to be his apostles. Now, let me explain the difference between a disciple and an apostle. A disciple is anyone who follows Jesus. Actually, you can be a disciple of anything, or anyone. If you're following that person, you're a disciple of that person. But in scriptural uh, speaking and talking about Christianity, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. An apostle was one of 12 men that, God, uh, that Jesus appointed to be apostles. So there's lots of people who are disciples who are not apostles. And while the apostles are disciples, sometimes we get that confused because even sometimes when you read in the scripture, it'll say the disciples was, is he talking about the 12? Is he talking about everybody? What's he talking about? Well, in Mark chapter 3, we have this, starting in verse 13. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose, Simon, who he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. I think that's kind of cool if Jesus gives you a nickname. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, or however you say that, Thaddeus. One day I'm going to do a sermon on Thaddeus. It's going to be a short sermon, but I'm going to do a sermon one day on Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Now I'm going to read the companion of Scripture kind of the sister to this. It's in Luke. So that's Mark's version of this incident. I want to read Luke's. 
In Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 12. One day soon afterwards, Jesus went up to the Ona Mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. It's a big decision that Jesus is about to make. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Now, I want you to get the story here. We, Jesus, by this time, by the time we're in, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus has healed people. He's preached. He's, uh, he's cast out demons. He's gotten himself in trouble. Uh, he, like we did, uh, talked about last week in the verses that followed this, his family thinks he's crazy, and the, the people are already trying to figure out how to kill him. So a lot's happened when he gets to this point where he calls these 12 men. Now, Scripture, neither, no account tells us how many men he's choosing from. I just really hope there was more than 13. And I just hope this is just not the one guy that didn't get called. We don't know how many men, but we know that there were other men there. And the thing that I want us to do this morning, I, I don't want us to focus on the 12 men that Jesus called to be his apostles. I want to focus on the men he did not call. How disappointed do you think that they were? Here Jesus has summoned them. We don't know how many. He summoned them on the mountain to do this moment to where Jesus starts going down the list of names to be in his inner circle. And not all of their names are called. It has to be disappointing. And as we go through this morning, I, I want you to think of it in the context of that, of these men who were not chosen. And the pain that came with that, the disappointment that came with that, the struggle that came with that. This morning, I want to give you four practical ways to deal with disappointment in light of these men that were not selected. But before we, we dive into the first practical way, I want to share with you an Irish proverb, a German proverb, a Hebrew proverb, and a Caribbean proverb. The Irish proverb is this, a man can sleep on every hurt but his own. Isn't that powerful? A person can sleep on every hurt but his or her own. Now, my job is to teach scripture and to pastor and shepherd. It's not to teach proverbs from different countries. But if I were going to preach a sermon on a proverb from a different country, it would be this one. It's a German proverb. Tis easier to hurt than heal. Tis easier to hurt than heal. Now, I think the reason for that is you've experienced hurt. You know what hurt's like. You even know how to hurt people. But we haven't been taught and we haven't been held accountable in how to heal. It's easier to hurt than to heal. And then a Hebrew Proverbs. It's actually found in Proverbs 24, 16. The godly man trip, the, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. And then the Caribbean proverb. Truth is, everybody is going to hurt you. You just got to find the ones worth suffering for. Bob Marley. Four things 
that we need to do when we are disappointed. You're going to be disappointed. You have great disappointment in your life. If you're actually honest and you sit down and you were to write on a piece of paper, here's the things I'm disappointed with in life. You could fill up that page pretty quickly. And the older you get, the more pages you need. Because disappointment is so real in our life. So the answer is not to get rid of disappointment. Let me just hear you. If you're on the quest to get rid of disappointment, that is not going to happen. So what we have to focus on is what do I do when I'm disappointed? First thing is this. We have to learn how to mourn with God. I have to mourn with God. God hurts with you. When you hurt, he's hurting. When I hurt, he's hurting. I think about this scene where Jesus is calling these 12 men and he calls out these names and he sees the heads drop. And he sees the frustration and, and the ones that are, that are red in temperament are mad. And the ones that are green in temperament are devastated. And the yellows are devastated. And the blues go quickly into critiquing why he's wrong. And Jesus looks at them with compassion and empathy. I mean, this is, this, at least this is the picture I have in my mind. Because he hurts with us when we hurt. I have to learn to mourn with God. It's going to take time when I, need to, when I have to mourn because I'm disappointed. And obviously, every disappointment's not the same. Sometimes you go to Blaze Pizza and they cook it a little too much. And you're kind of disappointed. That, you get over that pretty quick. And then there's some other things in life that are devastating. Regardless of the disappointment, it's going to take time. Sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes five years. And then for some things, no matter what happens, there's always a twinge of things aren't right. So when I mourn with God, I have to make sure that I'm mourning with Him and understanding that it's going to take. Now, the more I walk with Him and the more mature I get in my relationship with Him, hopefully the quicker the mourning. It gets shorter. The second thing is this. Under mourning with God, I must invite Jesus into the hurt. I must invite Jesus into the pain. This is why we do pure heart. This is why I want you to go to pure heart. If you've been to pure heart, this is why I want you to follow through with the things that are taught in pure heart. Because it gives us tools and how to deal with disappointment. How to deal with the hurt and the pain. If you've been to a pure heart, you'll understand this question. How many pictures have you drawn this year? How many pictures have you drawn this year? And invited Jesus into the pain, invited Jesus into the hurt. And you're going, Marty, I've never been to pure heart. And you know what? Frankly, I'm never going to go. That's fine. Here's, here's a simple way to invite Jesus into your hurt. Jesus, I'm hurt. Would you help me? have to be willing to mourn with him. It's the first thing. This, these are not necessarily steps, but this first one kind of is the first step. Because if you skip this, 
If you skip the morning process, you, 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 you skip the real conversation with Jesus about the pain that you have and the disappointment that you have, whether it's, it's the disappointment in yourself, disappointment from others, or disappointment from him. It's so important. The second thing is this. We have to adjust my expectations. I have to adjust my expectations. The more expectations you have in life, the more miserable you will be. I just want to say that again. The more expectations you have in life, the miserable, the more miserable you will be. Because what comes with expectations? Them not being met. And when your expectations not met, what does that bring? Disappointment, sadness, and hurt. Now, it's impossible to live life without any expectations. When I go to Blaze Pizza, I kind of expect them not to burn it. Okay? So it's, it's impossible to go through life without any expectations, but the, the, the fewer expectations you can have, the better off you're going to be, the happier you're going to be. If you can lessen the expectations, expectations destroy. The more expectations you have, it just makes life difficult. So a couple of things. As we, as we, if we're going to deal with our disappointment, I have to adjust my expectations. There's a th- couple of things that we need to do. The first one is this. Understand this. Misplaced hope ultimately leads to disappointment. Misplaced hope ultimately leads to disappointment. Misplaced hope ultimately leads to disappointment. The men who placed their hope in Jesus on that day in the mountain, they were okay. The men who placed their hope in being selected, not so good. Do you see the difference? Misplaced hope ultimately leads to disappointment. I share a story, a part of my story, a part of my life story. After seminary, I uh, started working for a church, came on staff as a student pastor, and I was there for 15 years. I saw amazing things happen in the church. Lisa and I poured 15 years of our life into there. Now, there came a point when my expectations didn't meet what was happening there. There came a point when I didn't see, I didn't follow, I didn't want the direction the church was going. I'd been there for 15 years. I was not going to leave on my own. I needed help. So they helped me. And here's why I tell you that story. By that time, Lisa and I had adopted our two girls, Madison and Amelia from Russia. And we had adopted Amelia, special needs, and we knew it. And here's how twisted my thinking got. We have done this, so God, you owe me. So you're not going to allow anything bad to happen to me. 
because you owe me. Misplaced hope ultimately leads to disappointment. My hope was not in Jesus in that moment. My hope was in what I had done. And when the men on that mountain were placing their hope in being selected, they were in trouble. And when you and I place our hope in anything other than who Jesus is, we are going to be in trouble. Second thing is this. You've got to trust God, love people, and use things. You have to trust God, love people, and use things. We get this messed up. We end up using God, trusting people, and loving things. We need to trust God, love people, and use things. Every chance I get to teach this, I teach this. And if you've been a part of Anthem for very long, it's not the first time you've heard this. You've heard this many times, okay? But I'm going to keep preaching it until we start living it. Reminds me of that story about the pastor who was hired to come into the church. And so he came in, and on his first Sunday, he preached his first sermon at the church, and it was amazing. It was a wonderful. Everybody applauded. Everybody was so excited about the decision of this new pastor. They came back the second week, fully anticipating another amazing, powerful sermon by the pastor. And he preached the exact same sermon, same everything. They didn't leave so excited that Sunday. The third Sunday, they come back and say, well, maybe he just forgot. The third Sunday, he preached the exact same sermon. Now he's done his three weeks in a row. Well, this caused the deacons to have a meeting. On the fourth Sunday, he preaches the exact same sermon. So now the the board and the deacons are having a meeting. On the fifth Sunday, he preached the exact same sermon. So now they had to have a meeting with the pastor. And you know what the question was. Pastor, we've hired you to, to teach us and to lead us, and you have preached the same sermon five weeks in a row. And his answer was, well, when you start doing that, I'll go to the next one. Okay? We got to trust God and stop trusting people. We need, to, we need to love people. God says to love each other. He doesn't say to trust each other. I'm supposed to trust God. I'm supposed to love people. And I'm supposed to use things. When I get that mixed up, things go sideways. If I'm going to learn how to deal with disappointment, I've got to start with mourning with God, inviting him into my pain. Inviting him into the disappointment. What is it you need to teach me? What is it that I can learn? How am I going to use this to make me better for your kingdom? Second one, i got to adjust my expectations. Because the more expectations I have, the higher expectations I have, the more I'm going to be disappointed. So we've got to know that misplaced hope ultimately leads to disappointment. I need to focus on trusting God, loving people, and using things and not getting it backwards. Third thing I need to do is I need to have perspective. Proper perspective is needed. Proper perspective is needed. And when I think about perspective, there's, there's all kinds of stories that I can go to that scripture tells us about. But the, the one that I always go to first is this, is Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas are going all over what we know as modern day Turkey. And they're on all of these missionary journeys and they're planting churches and they're doing amazing things. They are being, they are being fully obedient to God. They are 100% in God's will. And they're arrested multiple times. They're beaten 
multiple times. And there is this story where Paul and Silas have been arrested and they have been beaten and they're in a dungeon. And you think of everything that is related to a dungeon. And they're chained and they're in that dungeon. And they are bitter and angry at God because he has so disappointed them. They are so frustrated with God because he has not come through for them in the way that he wants, that they want him to come through. They are on the verge of quitting. None of that's true. Paul and Silas, yes, were arrested. Yes, they were beaten. Yes, they were trained in a dungeon. But you know what they were doing in the dungeon? They were singing gone. They were singing good, good father. That's what they were doing. Praising God for who he is. Not for the circumstances they found themselves in. I have to have the proper perspective Paul and Silas singing in prison give me that perspective. Another thing that gives me perspectives is this. God always writes a better story. Always. Always. Not sometimes does he get the story better. Always. God always writes a better story. When I graduated high school, I graduated number 11 in my class out of 400 and something students. That's pretty good. Wasn't valedictorian, Michaela, but it's pretty good. I went to Mississippi State. In Mississippi State, in my college, a part of the university, I finished number three in my class. And that was pretty good. So I started interviewing. And I started interviewing for all these jobs. Big eight accounting firms back then, all these different things that I was doing. I got an accounting degree, which I've never done a day on accounting in my life. This lady right here does my taxes. <laughs> rejection letter after 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 rejection letter. What in the world is going on? I did get a call. I got a call from the pastor of Broadmoor Baptist Church in Jackson, Mississippi. I said, Marty, we got your name from Ken Hester. We need an interim youth pastor. We'd like to talk to you about that. So we talked. They offered. I took. I didn't have anything else to do. I grew up in a small church. I grew up in a church of about 100 people. 120 on a good day if we counted people three times. On my first day at Broadmoor Baptist Church, there were more seventh graders at church that morning in Sunday school than at my parents' church that I grew up in. Through that, at a camp in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, in the prayer garden on a one particular morning, I, I prayed, God, because my time as an interim was coming to an end. And I said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. You're going to have to show me what to do. And by the end of that day, before I laid down to sleep, every adult on the trip told me, Marty, I don't know what your plans are, 
but it should be this. And after a long struggle of fighting the call to the ministry to be a pastor, I accepted. God always writes a better story. Regardless of what it may seem like. So, I need to mourn with God. I need to adjust my expectations. And perspective is needed. Gotta have perspective. And the fourth thing is this. We cannot quit. We cannot quit. I can't not think of the guys who weren't selected. Their name wasn't called. What did they do? How many of them quit? How many of them said, well, if I can't do that, I'm, I'm out. Doesn't go my way, I'm out. Doesn't line up the way that I want, I'm out. Undoubtedly, there had to be some. Because that's human nature, right? It's just the way human nature is. Just think of the things they missed. Jesus feeding 5,000 with a Lunchable. Jesus walking on the water. Going to Lazarus' funeral that turned into a party. Just think of all of the things they missed. But not everybody quit. There were some guys who didn't get called and they didn't quit. Mattathias. Y'all are familiar with Mattathias, right? I know some of you really struggled with naming your first son that. Mattathias, we're really thinking about naming you Mattathias. Or maybe his buddy, um, Barsabas. Are you familiar with Barsabas? You don't know much about Barsabas or Mattathias? Well, Let's, let's skip over to Acts chapter 1 and see if we can learn a little bit about Mattathias and Barsabas. Acts chapter 1 verse 21. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas. Now, Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus after the fact, super guilty, goes out and hangs himself. So the 12 apostles are now, I know we promised no math, but now there's 11 Right? And they want there to be 12. For Judas from among the men who were with us. Let me start over. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time. Highlight that. We were traveling with the Lord Jesus. We were traveling with the Lord Jesus from the time he was baptized by John until the time he was taken from us. So from the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist until the ascension, they're going to choose a man who was with them, not an apostle, but was with them the entire time. You know what happened between the baptism of Jesus and the ascension? A lot. I mean, just think about it. What a a ridiculously dumb statement. What happened between the baptism of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus? Everything. But I'll tell you one specific thing that happened. On a mountain side, at breakfast, with a bunch of men, 12 names were called. And Mattathias... And Barsabas' name was not called. 
Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, or Bar, 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 we'll call him Bar, also known as Justice, and Mattathias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. We can have that. That'll be another sermon. Then they cast lots, and Mattathias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the men who quit. We don't know their names. Didn't go their way, disappointed, didn't get selected. They quit. What do they miss? I want you to think about those that stayed. Primarily, Mattathias. Can you imagine being Mattathias? Three years earlier, you're standing on the side of the mountain and the sun is coming up over the valley and you don't hear your name. And everything in you says, I dare him. He doesn't know what he's missing. How can he not call my name? But something stirs in him. And he says, you know what? I am terribly disappointed. But I'm not going to. And he finds himself in that first apostle meeting. Can you imagine what that was like? It's just 12 of them. He's the new guy, kinda. And they're talking. And they're praying. And they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And guess who was in the room? When the Holy Spirit descended on that room. Mattathias. What a great story. But I also want us to think about Basarabas. On that morning, the sun rising over that valley, His name was not called. But like Mattathias, he said, I am not quick. And I'm disappointed, but I'm not quitting. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to put my hope in Jesus. I'm not going to put my hope in being selected. I'm going to put my hope in being Jesus. 
And then he finds himself. He's made it to one of two. And the apostles have prayed and they're going to cast lots directed by God to see who to choose. And maybe for a better understanding for us for the second time. Bar's name is not called. It's somebody else. Did he quit then? There's a lot's about to happen. A lot's about to happen. I don't think he quit. I think he said, you know what, I'm in. That's not the story God's writing for me. So I'm gonna focus on the story that he is writing for me. I don't think he quit. Are you? You gonna quit when it's not right? You're gonna quit when the report comes back and the result's negative? You're gonna quit when the promotion doesn't happen? out of the funeral home and quit? Are you going to place your faith and your hope in Jesus? Life is filled with disappointments. And you and I are not going to change that. But we have complete and total control over What do we do with the disappointments? What do we do when the virus cancels the year? Among so many other things. Let's don't quit. Let's let him write the story he needs to write regardless of what that story is. Let's pray. Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, is your truth. Father, I thank you for giving us the story. I thank you for helping us know these two men's story that that before right now, most of us had never even heard of or we've heard of, we certainly have forgotten them. They dealt with the disappointment. They stayed. They stayed in the race. They let you write the story. So Jesus, may we each have the courage and the ability to let you write the story. 
Give us courage where we need it. Give us comfort where we need it. Give us conviction where we need it. In your name we pray. Amen.